0: From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. More than 2 million workers aren't eligible for the government's economic support measures designed to help people through the current crisis. My name is Joanne. My name is Tori. My name's Felicia. They work in industries like hospitality, retail and tourism. I am going without meals so that I can ensure my four kids have something to eat these sectors have been obliterated in the past few weeks by the COVID-19 lockdown. I didn't even get a chance to work in my new role before the business closed its doors. And if it weren't for my parents who sent food, I wouldn't be able to eat. 1.1 million of those workers are migrants here on temporary visas. I'm Agustina. I'm 29 years old. I'm from Argentina. Some have been here for years, And they're now stranded in a country that isn't offering them support, unable to get home as borders remain shut.
1: You know, the next six months are kind of, if you've got enough to survive, then great. If you don't, then I think the message is, you know, you have to go home.
0: Numerous groups are calling for financial support to be extended to those workers. But so far, the government has refused.
2: I I can't survive for another month. There's
0: people that don't. Today, Producer Ruby Schwartz speaks to one migrant worker who is in the middle of this new reality.
1: Hi, Augustina. Yes, how are you? Good, how are you?
2: Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Sorry, I was on another call.
1: <laughs> no worries, is now an okay time? Sorry, I know I'm a little bit early.
2: No, that's all right, that's all right. I was just... um
1: getting some things organised because I'm helping
2: some Argentinians and trying to get them back home.
1: Um, Can I just step back for one second, Augustina? I'm wondering first if you'd mind introducing yourself. Yeah, so
2: I'm Augustina. I'm originally from Argentina. I'm 29 years old. I've been in Australia for three years now and I have been stood down with no pay from my job three and a half weeks ago. So if I don't get any kind of support, in a month I'll become homeless, broke, 100%. I will be on (laughs) zero dollars. I'm kind of living on the last little savings I've got. So my future is very, very, very uncertain.
1: Mm. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Augustina, can you tell me a little bit about what your life was like in Argentina before you came here? Okay.
2: So I'm from Buenos Aires City. I studied psychology after school, but then I became an English teacher, the second language. Argentina is an amazing place to travel, and it's an amazing it's an amazing country to live in. But it is, as a local, you find yourself in um, economical hardship and a lot of insecurity situations. And I had this particular experience where I was held hostage. Three men with with guns entered the house and they just tied us up um, and they locked us and they stole most of the things from the house, all the computers um, and they just locked us up, the five of us, in a very small toilet and that changed my life obviously after that situation even though i did therapy and i i went through um a lot of support from my family and friends i never felt safe again um i never felt safe home i didn't feel safe on the street i didn't feel safe anywhere
1: Mm. and so that was part of the reason that you decided that you wanted to move to australia yeah so i didn't know what what Life was gonna be like. I've never lived anywhere that was not Argentina before, so I
2: didn't really know how I could feel. And in the beginning, I was like, "Okay, mom, I'm actually coming back." I was really, I got really scared. <laughs> but then, two days or three days after I came to Australia, I I remember walking around Bondi. I was in Bondi Beach, and no one talked to me or no one like called me. Or I felt so safe that I was like, "Okay, this is." This is good. I started relaxing and I just fell in love with the place <laughs> completely. Yeah. And it saved me, to be honest. Like, um, As soon as I realized that I felt safe, I, my life started changing. I just decided I wanted to be a travel agent. I went to every single travel agency I could possibly go. And I knocked on every single one of them. And I insisted for like three and a half weeks. Eventually, Peter Pan's Adventure Travel hired me. And I just fell in love with it so much. So the the reason why I came to Australia started changing. And this coronavirus situation, obviously, like, it's a shock.
1: (laughs) Augustina, do you remember when you first heard about coronavirus? Yeah. So in the beginning, I heard about it
2: online, I guess. And then we started talking about it with our bosses. But no one really had much information. Australia kind of was a bit late with that, I guess. So I remember, but pretty much like everyone else on the planet, like we never thought it was going to be this big. But then my anxiety started growing because obviously like the more the days passed, it just became bigger and bigger. So what I had to do was to tell my casual staff that I had no hours for them. Mm. Um, just because literally everyone was left Byron Bay and there was no people booking anything. And I just couldn't do it so that was the first and then one afternoon at some stage i got a call from my manager and i found out that i was stood down with no pay um and that it was for an indefinite time so when this happened i got really scared because i was like okay i am gonna survive another month and that's
1: it what government support are you able to access at this time, given that you have been stood down for now, which means None. you have no income coming in? So, in my particular case, because of my particular visa,
2: I don't qualify for the job keeper because I'm on a training visa. I don't, I don't know if I would be able to access the superannuation. I personally, like, I understand Australians are a priority, and so I understand that this is not an easy situation for the government to say, like, yeah, we we'll support everyone, because obviously the country has to survive, but at the same time, like, there has to be some kind of help at some stage, because otherwise in a month or two, you're going to have, like, unlimited international homeless people here.
1: So, Augustina, the government has said that people who aren't Australian citizens or residents, that if they can't support themselves, that they should go home. But I'm wondering, can you go home? Is that actually an option for you? No.
2: I mean, there's no option. There's no flights. But the point is Argentina closed, like, not the borders completely, but they have only allowed an allowance of 700 people a day. And um, they're not even considering the urgent cases. They're only considering, like... They're just randomly choosing people, I guess, that already have flight.
1: The people that have no flight is going to be the last... So you work in travel. Are other people on temporary visas coming to you for help? Are you part of trying to work out these flights for them? Yeah. So basically that's the thing. Like
2: when this thing happened, I, I've always, since I was leading the Latino market in terms of um, tourism, I kind of became known in the Latino community in Australia. I'm in all WhatsApp groups and Facebook groups. So kind of, I started having a lot of messages. Like what's going to happen? What do I do? Where do I go? Um, the thing is that there was no information. Mm people started panicking so we felt like suddenly I started having millions of messages and more and more and more people started getting into the groups and that's when I collapsed so I had a massive anxiety attack and um I ended up calling an ambulance I I was really stressed my life was collapsing I was trying to help all these people. I didn't know what to do with my life. I also, like, the, the unknown also scared me and it kind of took me a few days to come back to my feet. And then I reorganized uh, myself with them. And now there's a group of 32 people. That they're basically working as a parallel embassy, like literally. There's people working um, in contact with the consulate and uh, the embassies
1: and the airlines. So given that at the moment you can't get home, what are you going to do? What happens then? And then, <laughs>
2: and then I have to ask for people to lend me money. Also, like, I read a lot online and I can see a lot of people saying, like, you should go home. Which is yeah, I get it, but I'm not traveling. I've been here for three years. I'm on a training program, I've got a car, I've got a lease, I've got bills on my name, I got a life. Like this is my home. I don't understand why me that I helped and I did all I, I did and I and I worked so much for Australia, I wouldn't get any help at least to pay rent. I don't mean as I said, I don't need seven hundred dollars. I could survive with two hundred dollars a week at the moment. And I, I don't and I if you think about that, like some kind of little release for the travelers or the ones that are still here, even if it's a bit, would generate a lot of. Okay, the government at least wants us to be in a decent position and not homeless, you know? Like, just, I don't know. If nothing changes and I cannot get any kind of help and anything, I can
1: survive with the savings I have until maybe the end of May, maximum. Can I ask, what would it mean to you to be able to access the JobKeeper wage subsidy? Because obviously there's a lot of campaigning that is going on at the moment saying migrant workers, temp workers, they like they need this wage subsidy. What would it mean to you if the government said, okay, we're going to extend it?
2: Oh, man. <laughs> I would relax for a second. I would breathe. <laughs> like, I mean, I know I'm not the number one priority because I got a month of money, but it would mean that I can actually breathe. Like, you know, that I would know that I can 100% guarantee pay rent and pay food and not become a homeless and actually have money to access any kind of medical situation. Because obviously, like, as a non-Australian, I don't have Medicare. I mean, it means that I will have, like, peace of mind, a roof, and food. It's like dignity. I I And also, like... My question, without being disrespectful to anyone, is I pay taxes, I'm as much as, even if I'm a temporary citizen or resident, I'm here doing exactly the same as everyone does. What what makes me not entitled to any kind of help when in this situation happens and I have no other way to support myself? Just a bit of help would be,
1: like, amazing. Thank you so much. I'll chat to you soon. Thanks to you. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Cheers. Bye-bye.
0: Unions and business groups have raised concerns about the welfare of migrant workers and have called on the government to provide them with support. However, the government is standing firm, citing the cost of expanding its wage subsidies.
1: What would it have cost to extend this to foreign workers or indeed more casuals? Will you add an extra million, uh, million people onto the jobkeeper program that's an extra 18 billion dollars. So you could afford 130 billion, but you couldn't afford 18 billion more?
0: As a 7 am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points. Sign up at the slash newsletters. Also in the news, Federal Health Minister Greg Hunt says that Australia has achieved a sustained and genuine flattening of the curve when it comes to cases of COVID-19. Hunt said that the rate of increase in new cases has been below 1% for the past seven days. The minister also announced that an extra 100 million protective masks will be distributed to healthcare workers over the next six weeks. An extra 3.5 million doses of the flu vaccine have also been made available. The National Cabinet is expected to sign off on a decision tomorrow to lift the ban on elective surgeries and IVF. Elective surgeries were cancelled last month as there were fears that hospitals wouldn't have the capacity to handle an influx of COVID-19 patients. However, the slower rate of growth of the virus and the rollout of more personal protective equipment means that the National Cabinet is likely to allow surgeries as well as IVF again. And in the UK, Prime Minister Boris Johnson has begun gradually returning to work after being hospitalised from COVID-19. Johnson is retaking the reins at a time when his government is facing sustained criticism over its response to the crisis, including a lack of personal protective equipment for medical personnel. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.